All for your glory, God. Yes, yeah, recording. So thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Al Williams uh, coming back in. I think we lost him for a minute. Okay, I see him. Okay. Um. Well, we want to thank God. We're alive on uh, the Tabernacle of Fire in You AJS Ministry. This is Thursday, February eighteenth. And I just want to thank God for all of the people that are looking in and listening. And I want to thank God, especially for my special guests as we start out. And before I start off, let me start with a prayer. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we give you all the praise, all the honor, all of the glory. You are the God of our salvation. And Lord, in this, this uh, world that we live in right now, it seems to be so dark, oh God. But we thank you that the light is shining in each one of these vessels that are on the line with us right now. I thank you right now for that looks like Pastor Thompson is on. I praise God for him being on. And Lord, I praise God for all these men that are on, Pastor Julius and as our Brother Stanley Nevels and, and the Dr. Alfred that's going to be talking with us and clinical uh, therapist um, Al Williams. God bless them for taking time out of their busy schedules uh, yeah. to come and share the information that's so critical, what's going on in the pandemic with COVID-19 yeah. and the fear of getting a, a vaccination, fear uh, of talking to people about your depression or your problems that we're having. So Lord, we just want to thank you and glorify your name and let the light shine, oh God. We're not, we're not uh, pre-programming this uh, uh, broadcast, oh God. We are just asking you to have your way. Lord, if one person gets some information that can be helpful to them, then we've done what, what you've asked us to do on this podcast is to give hope, give light, give encouragement. And yes. so for each one of you men of God, I thank you for the women of God that are listening. I thank you. I thank you for the praying church. And if I keep, don't stop myself, I'll be keep praying and won't stop. So Lord, I thank you right now for all of the guests that are on. Thank you. God bless you. As that looks like, uh, I don't know if he can hear me. Pastor Thompson, can you hear me? Okay, he said yes. Uh, God bless you. Uh, Pastor uh, St. John Chisholm, God bless you. We're going to start. Uh, we have both a special guest on tonight, and I'm so grateful uh, to all the people that are on and all of you that may be listening to this live. Glory to God. Um, one of the things, the tabernacle fire that, that's in you represents the fire of God, the spirit of the living God that's in each one of you. Tabernacle meaning the tent of meeting or your personal meeting place. And, and that's where you go get your oil. That's where you go get refilled. That's the rivers of living water in your belly. So this Thursday, we have two special guests and they are Dr. Alfred, um, Rodney Alfred and clinical therapist Al Williams. Dr. Rodney uh, uh, Alfred is a board certified pediatrician and, and an internal mental specialist uh, for over 35 years, a graduate of Loyola University's medical school, completed his res residency in inter internal medicine and pediatrics at Cook County Hospital of Chicago. Contact Dr. Alfred uh, for his information. I'll share that again. It's 815-432-5411. Or you can write me and I'll share that information. 815-432-5411. And he can share that when he comes on as well. Dr. Alfred um, uh, is also located in the Kankakee area. Um, and so he'll share more information when he comes back on. Uh, also, we have who's going to lead us off is Al Williams. He's a clinical therapist whose mental health career encompasses over 25 years of service. 
and, and the owner of Abundant Health and Wellness uh, Services, providing counseling, service for individuals, groups, and family therapy for depression, anxiety, isolation, anger, bipolar, schizophrenia, grief, and trauma, PTSD. And you can contact him, and I'll try to put that information up on the screen, but it's Al Williams. Al, Al Williams Al at Yahoo. And you can write me or text me and, and I'll put it up on the chat when I have an opportunity. Uh, but I thank God for both of you. I am not, as I shared with them, uh, I am not a doctor or clinical person and I know how to stay in my lane. And so we're, we're thankful for all the people that are joining in. Um, and, and if I'm looking up, you see me looking up, I'm checking the screen because uh, this is not set to open up automatically. But I'm going to start off with asking uh, Brother Al, first of all, thank you so much. Uh, as a clinical therapist, you, you shared with me uh, just how severe the, this pandemic has affected our community, uh, particularly African-American community, um, the, the lack of resources. But you said you shared some insight today earlier that I, I know that you'll get into. But take a few minutes. you got 20 minutes. And then uh, Dr. Alfred's going to come on. He's going to have 20 minutes, and then we're going to go just roundtable and let people ask questions, uh, our guests that are on. And if I see any chats, I'll try to uh, respond to that as well. God bless you. But at multitasking is not a problem. I'll do all I can to, to help everybody. Amen. God bless you. Uh, um, Brother Al, I'm going to set this on so that when you're talking, um, well, people can see you. I think we just go to one screen. I'm not sure what's the best in that somebody that may be more technical than me may think it's best just to have the person who's talking be seen or should we let everybody be seen? So let's leave it like this for right now so I can see everybody that's coming in. But God bless you. Uh, Brother Al, you wanna begin sharing with us your perspective, your perspective on what's going on in our communities and you share with me some, some steps to identify the frequent asked questions or however you wanna flow, I'll turn it over to you. Thank okay. you all thank my guests that are on. Thank that. you, David Holmes. Sure. Thank you very much for that. Um, thank you for inviting me. Um, this is something passionate about. There's people receiving the help that they need to put them back on the path to healing. Uh, right now, we have what's going on in all 114 countries of the world is pandemic-related depression that we know grew out of the uh, COVID-19 virus. Uh, having said that, uh, the pandemic-related depressions is a series of events from COVID-19 virus. It is depressive symptoms and actions as a result of the spreading of the infections and sometimes death from this virus. Um, and like I said, the pandemic-related depression is depression that comes from the COVID-19 virus. And by that is made up of four components. Uh, the four components that, that, that create that, that creates the from the pandemic, which has created pandemonium, is loss of job, loss of life, loss of social connection, and loss of money. Those are the four leading. I lost your voice. Did we lose you, Al? I think he dropped off. 
There he is, but I can't hear you, Al. Al? He froze up. We'll give him a few minutes. He dropped off. I, I'm sure he's going to come back. But he mentioned uh, the criticalness of loss of jobs, and I was texting someone else was trying to get in. Loss of jobs, loss of finances. I missed the last two. Did someone else catch that? But those are the critical. Uh, uh, we are dealing with people who have issues with housing, um, issues of, of, the, of, of employment, health issues, being able to get to the facilities to get treatment, worrying about their children being at home, having to study uh, at home and, and not have their parents there to help them in some cases. So there are a lot of different challenges that are affecting our children. Yes, so hello. There you are, okay. okay. Uh, you mentioned, you, I heard you mention um, two things, but repeat those four because I'm also trying to text people to let them know because they said they had problems getting in. Welcome everybody that's in. I'm not going to have time to stop and welcome everybody, but I see you and we thank God for you. Brother Al, we'll start back. You were mentioning four points. Would you go back to that? Because we lost you for a minute. Al? I think it was loss of life. Yes, it was loss of life was one of them. And loss of home. Loss of homes. And, and all of us know that any of those can be very, very, very traumatic. And so one of the things, hey, Ronald Drake, he shared with me, and, and we want to make sure that, that we share with the listening audience, uh, Sister Lakita, the importance of, of stability of mind, Pastor Chisholm, that, that during this pandemic, and he called these stress-related uh, uh, depressions that, that are ex a direct result of the pandemic. And what he shared with me early on in his experience is that he had never seen so many people struggling with, with depression from children to adults, uh, to, to senior citizens. He said that he shared with me that the population of people that are suffering is, is so, so uh, broad. Uh, Brother Al, can you hear me now? Yes, I can hear you. Okay, uh, that's all right. And we know we have some technical issues. Uh, we are still all learning. We're learning about technology. The people that do this every day for a living go through it. So you all work with us. Okay, uh, okay. Loss of life, loss of homes, loss of finance. And so let's pick up where you were. Yeah, so... That's right, loss of jobs, loss of life, uh, loss of social connection, and loss of money. All these losses in itself can create depression. All these four things are tied to pandemic-related depression. Uh, human beings have great resiliency, and usually when they have challenges in life, they lean on each other to pull each other through. Well, pandemic-related depression, by following federal and local guidelines and protocols, 
for safety counteracts that. It says we have to do social distancing. So while we have these four factors going on, the main thing that pull us through crisis, pandemic, is the fact that we can rely on each other and get strength from each other, talk with each other, hug each other. We can't hug each other. The federal guidelines that we social distance from each other. So the natural things that we have inborn and ingrained in us, we can't do with due to the fact of this current virus and the way it infects people. So having said that, because of this social distancing and we having to stay homebound a lot of the time and isolate, it has as a sidebar unearthed a lot of things detrimental to society. One of the things I would like to state is China. America is known as the most litigious nation in the world with more cases in court than anywhere else on the earth. Well, in China, because people had to stay in the home, they have broken records for the number of divorce cases going mm. to court now because they're following their guide for the pandemic. So it's having, like I said, other things outside of the four events that's causing depression. And popular to um, believe, going through a divorce is not a happy thing. It takes an emotional toll. So you have families that are now together. They're gonna be separated. And that creates and it's in turn tied to pandemic-related depression. Uh, another thing is that um, I, I am considered a responder in that part of the thing I do is I work with um, youth in care, foster kids. Uh, I was elected to be one, and people in my profession who give therapy to foster children, that we have to go into the home and check and see how doing psychologically because the children are very vulnerable and they have been sexually assaulted. And if we go into the home and see it, we got to report it. And if we can't get to the home, it goes unreported and the child is violated even more because they're at home, they've been restricted and they're trapped. So a lot of the youth I see are depressed, not because that happening to them, but because as one of the Well, as he was sharing and, and waiting for him to come back on, he mentioned the relational, uh, the normalcy of, of how we would relate um, that the pandemic put us in now because of social distancing, the protocols don't allow us to interact and, and facilitate and help each other the way we would normally do because as human beings, that's a common instinct is to always have an opportunity to go back and forth uh, with your families and your loved ones. And now even in your own home, you have to social distance and separate yourselves if your family member goes out and is working or has 
uh, been exposed, we have to always remember that, that these are situations that are very, very stressful. And so what he was saying was that in China, uh, where everyone is forced to stay home, that yeah, the record number of divorces, go right ahead. <laughs> I'm just trying to pick it up. Go ahead, Al. And so as, as he was sharing with us, those are issues that we are all confronted with. And, and, and so while he's gone for a few minutes, anybody else want to chime in? And, and you've had experience. Um, and and um, <clears throat> Brother Al's wife was on a ventilator suffering from COVID. And they, they told me I had to remove the ventilator. And so when they removed the ventilator, they weren't sure what the outcome was going to be. But praise God. Um, that she was on and she testified. That's how I met her husband. I told her I was, we were interested in finding, asking for a doctor, asking for a psychologist, asking for people who have knowledge on, not just on the, the pandemic, but the economic development, how to invest your money uh, on schools and education and so many different issues. What's the status of the church? What's going on? What is God showing us? So all of these things, how are people coping? How are, why we wait for him to come back on? If somebody right. wants to chime in. I'm back. Okay. Yes. So I was just covering what some of the points that you made. Yeah. So therefore, because of the pandemic-related depression, there has been an increase of stress and anxiety. And therefore, stress uh, or can have the following symptoms, which is the feeling of fear, anger, sadness, worry, numbness, or frustration. Stress and anxiety can cause changes in appetite, energy, desires, and interests, and it's difficult concentrating or making decisions. Stress and anxiety can also have you have difficulty in sleeping or cause nightmares. There's also physical reactions, such as having headaches, body pain, stomach problems, skin problems, such as rashes. Uh, it can worsen health problems. It can worsen mental health problems. And we have saw with the pandemic-related depression, an increase in the use of tobacco, alcohol, and other illicit street drugs to combat their stress and anxiety. Now, stress and anxiety is on top, and then below it is depression, the root thing that's causing it. So at this point, I'm gonna give you some symptoms so you can recognize it or others can recognize it if it's happening with you. Amen. Well, I think we can relate to everything that he's talking about because all of us suffer from anxiety and, and, and stressors, uh, lack of concentration, nightmares, how it affects your diet, how it affects your concentration and focus. Uh, it, in, it can exasperate people that have mental illness. Uh, he talks about the increase of the number of people who are now at one point may not have been using drugs or got off drugs because of the problems that they have you'll find that there's an increase in the use of alcohol, drugs, and tobacco, and other illicit things that people do to try to compensate, uh, to find another place of comfort. 
And so these are uh, excellent points that he's sharing with us. And he said that he's also a responder. So he, he also goes in and out of homes. He also shared with me part of his clinical work that Al Williams, the clinical uh, therapist, mentioned early on before I talked to you guys on the line is that he actually responds and goes to homes. He's a responder, first responder uh, from a clinical side that goes to homes where children who are adopted or have been abused, they have to, he has to go in their homes to try to bring some relief and help and, and give them the counseling and recommendations and referrals that they need. And so Al, I was picking up when you started talking about all the different stresses okay. you ended up with the alcohol and the drugs increased. So we'll, we'll let you just continue. Hallelujah. Okay, can you see me now? Can you hear me? We, we, we just see the back of the screen. We can't see you. But those are, the, those are all the different kinds of things that uh, I'll let you back in, Al. Um, so you should be in. Okay, can you see me now? Yes, sir. Okay. So, so once again, I'm going to review the uh, symptoms of depression. And I want to go over it again. Depression is a disorder that impacts people. That's the feedback from, uh, Al, that's the feedback from your other computer or phone. Okay. I shut it down, but uh, I closed okay. it. Uh, okay. okay. That's better. Yeah. All right. So once again, shut the... So once again, depression is a disorder that impacts people's moods and makes them feel sad and lonely a lot. Depression makes it really hard for people to have fun or enjoy things that they used to do. And therefore the symptoms are feeling sad, guilty, worthless, or having hopelessness. And it's a tie in to hopelessness because when you have hopelessness, people tend to have suicidal ideation. When you lose hope, you have given up on everything and everybody. And we definitely want to catch anybody before they have that feeling of hopelessness. Another is feeling tired all the time, sleeping too much and not enough, having trouble focusing, not wanting to do things they once had enjoyment in or fun things, eating too much or not enough, not liking yourself, and the children missing school. Another thing is not wanting to be around other people. They tend to be isolated. So, so having said that, uh, we want to have ways to reduce depression, specifically pandemic-related depression. One of the things you can do to reduce pandemic-related depression is take breaks from watching, reading, and listening to news stories and not hearing about the pandemic. Getting the constant barrage will lower your mood into a negative state. Another thing you can do to combat pandemic-related depression is taking care of your body. One of the things you can do is take deep breathing exercises, okay? Another one is doing gentle stretching. Now I want to do a sidebar on gentle stretching. Before engaging in any exercise routine, consult your primary care physician. The second thing is 
with, with gentle stretching. The body is a wonderful thing and it has a lot of recovery elements to it. We have in our body chemical messengers called endorphins. When you exercise, endorphins are released in your body and that lifts your mood. I had a class of manic depressants and we, we attended the Chicago Park District every day. And every now and then, one of my clients would come up and say, Al, I feel depressed today. I said, tell me that after the workout. After we did our workout, and those endorphins released in their body and lifted their mood. They said, Al, I do feel better. So you see on TV a lot of the times, people would say, oh, I'm angry. I need to go work out. But they don't explain the benefits and what's happening internally in your body where you're angry or upset or depressed or frustrated, how that chemical release in your body lifts your mood. Okay. Another thing you can do is meditation. Meditation actually decreases the anxiety and stress in your body. If a doctor, he can come on later, could tell you how your body is so tense and your heart rate increase and how meditation will decrease that elevated heart rate and make you be more calm. Another thing is try to eat healthy, well-balanced meals. That has a lot to do with it. Uh, a lot of times, uh, eating the wrong foods, there are certain foods that you eat that increase inflammation in your body. There are certain foods you eat that can decrease inflammation in your body. So I'm giving you a holistic tip on how you can control the tension and stress and anxiety in your body. Another thing is, once again, exercising regularly. I can't tell you the benefits of exercising regularly, no matter how low impact it is, because I'm not asking anybody to do these infomercials where everybody flipping and jumping and running. That, 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 that's not it. You can do low impact exercises and get all the benefits from doing that exercise. So once again, you can coordinate with your primary care physician uh, in order to get an exercise regimen that's built for you. Another thing is you need to get plenty of sleep. When you go to sleep, your body is replenishing itself. You have things in your body called body filters, your kidneys, your liver, your gallbladders, your pancreas. And what they do is they go to work and purify your body. And when you wake up, that's why you let all the things that you ingested go out your front door and your back door and it don't stay in your body with the bad bacteria, okay, and the bad germs. So once again, the body is beautiful in a way it can recuperate itself if you just follow a few, a, a few simple steps. Another thing is during the pandemic depression, a lot of people are ordering alcohol online. Alcohol orders have went up through the roof. They're smoking more as a way of trying to calm themselves with their stress and anxiety. And we have seen an increase in the use of, of uh, illicit street drugs. You need to avoid those things because depending on the drug you take, if it's a street drug, it can be considered a downer. 
a depressant. Alcohol is a depressant. So therefore, if you got depression and you drinking more, you're going to be even more depressed. And all you're doing is what's called numbing. You're becoming so disorientated as the effects of alcohol have on you that you're not thinking about what's currently going on. So a lot of times, there's a lot of people out there numbing to avoid reality of a given situation. Another thing that you can reduce pandemic-related uh, depression is to continue with routine preventive measures, such as getting your vaccinations, uh, getting your cancer screenings, et cetera, as your, as your uh, PCP recommend. Um, and I know everything I'm saying, it in itself is, is, is a teaching moment. But when you have, when you are up on all your vaccinations, you are keeping your body in the best possible condition it can be in. And in the African-American community, we have health deserts. That means we have communities with no health centers. So therefore we're not getting all our vaccination when we should have them. We're not getting all our health screenings when we should have them. And that piles on to the pandemic related depression that you're getting yet more news that's not good for you. Another thing that we can do to combat um, pandemic related depression is to make, make time to unwind and enjoy yourself. That's important. When I have clients, I give them arbitrarily before asking what they like, a thousand things to do that you can enjoy. And I said, all I ask you to do is pick out one or two of them. That's more than enough. So if you feel yourself being depressed, this is what you can engage in. This is what you can do to lift your mood and not stay stuck with the current events or what's going on. Tip number seven, is connect with others. Talk to people you trust about your concerns and how you are feeling. They must be a good listener. And I have to tell you, listening is a skill. People hear sounds, but they don't hear your words. Mm -hmm. So therefore, if somebody is listening, they hear what you say, they look into your eyes, they nod their head from moment to moment for you acknowledging that you're, you're aware of their conversations. And when you give feedback, you want it to be positive. You don't want them to put things in a negative light. You want them to be upbeat and you want them to be supportive. So your trusted person should also be able to be a good listener. Another thing is, and this is point number eight, you should connect with your community and or your faith-based organization. We understand social distancing, distancing measures are in place, but you can try connecting online through social media, by phone or by mail. During the past holiday season, I had clients who had relatives succumb to COVID-19. This was going to be the first time in decades they was not able to celebrate Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's with them. 
what I had them do, a series of strategies, I had them go online and just like with Zoom, uh, they all connected together. I had them do cooking contests, uh, Thanksgiving place dinner contests, and they was all together so they can stay connected. And, and also I had them do board games. There are apps out there that they can do board games together and you get prizes and you can gift them to other people. So online has a lot of things. Uh, some people who lost jobs. I, once again, through online, I had them do agencies that help you volunteer from home. Mm -hmm. So there's things they can do. They can have some self-worth. Sometimes mm -hmm. some people just need to get their self-esteem lifted to bring mm -hmm. them out of depression. Mm -hmm. So I had them do things like that. So going online is a lot of things. I work with geriatrics. When I go and see them, I had them join chat rooms for seniors. Mm -hmm. I had them, them ask or really tell me what is their interest in, and I connect them with a chat room. Not all of a sudden, even though they have to stay in their room in the facilities, they can connect through their iPad with hundreds of other seniors that have the same interests as them to keep them socially connected. Mm -hmm. uh, and working with also the geriatric population, the state mandated that they couldn't eat in their dining rooms. They couldn't have any of their groups. Mm -hmm. So what I did, and I worked with agencies and, and community um, living and support facilities, uh, we went into the hallways. We spread them out, not six, but 12 feet apart. And they did chair yoga, on chair Tai Chi, and things of that nature. There are things you can do to keep yourself mentally and physically intact during this pandemic depression era. And one thing I like to say in conclusion is that there are many resources out there. Uh, we have resources for social support. That's one. We had a food and food system resources during the COVID-19 pandemic. That's a second resource. A third resource, we had a disaster financial assistance with food, housing, and bills that's ran by the government. That's a third resource. A fourth resource is the coronavirus resource for renters. So if you fall in that category, you're not working, you don't have rent, the government has set up ways where you can receive funds, okay? And the fifth one is the DOL, which is the Department of Labor. The US Department of Labor has coronavirus resources. There are tons of resources out there. The last thing I wanna see is anybody sitting at home on the bed, devoting the light to cable, smoking cigarettes. There is nothing positive out of that. For the geriatrics who's listening, I have a seminar I run called Super Seniors. I'll keep you busy. Not your grandkids, I'll keep you busy. And you have plenty of things that's healthy and enriching and enlightening for you to do. For the youth, there are plenty of programs out there to help them through coronavirus. And that's the sixth one. Uh, we have tutors come in because we found out during this um, pan pandemic, a lot of A students are getting C. Mm. What they're having is e-learning e fatigue. Mm -hmm. They are not used like professional people 
-hmm. you have to use a computer to go five and six hours a day at a computer. Mm -hmm. And therefore their grades have failed. So when mm -hmm. I work with the youth, there's interventions that you can do to relieve or reduce your uh, e-learning fatigue. Mm -hmm. And it's very sad to see highly intelligent youths. Mm -hmm. And they all say the same thing, I'm bored. Mm -hmm. They all say mm -hmm. I'm bored. So we yeah, have ways yeah. of doing that. I even have some tutors coming in uh, and working with them during the class hours. Okay. So that they can stay alert in class. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Five minutes isn't enough. Mm -hmm. And once again, I have a whole plan outlay for them. A lot of them will go to their classes in their sleepwear. Sometimes it's revealing. The whole class see it. It's a disruption. I teach them, prepare your day just like you do when you go to school. Shower, eat breakfast, log on early, be prepared for your day. Do not get comfortable, it makes you lazy. So these are some of the resources and interventions I use to combat pandemic related depression. There's things out there, all we have to do is take the time to engage in them and we can't overcome what we're currently undergoing. Thank well, you. Well, I want to thank you so, so very much. Uh, if, I were, if we were in a public place, I would say give you a round of applause. Uh, but that is powerful information. And everybody, if you can just give them a thumbs up uh, or, or hit the, the response button and put something up. But uh, Brother Al, you've shared information that, that sounds so simple that you, you make it sound easier than it really is. But, but the point is that, and, and I guess I come back to the question that the, all of these wonderful things you give us, it still requires us, the individual, to take the steps. And so what you're saying to all of us, though, is that there are many avenues to get help. And some of it is not as difficult as we might think it is. And so you had mentioned that, that Brother Seals, you know, a lot of people say there's no way to get help. Uh, could you take five more minutes uh, before we go to Dr. Alfred, who's just coming in too, and share with us your perspective on um, the, 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 just kind of um, dismissing the idea that even though you may not have money and resources, you listed at least eight or nine different things that we could do to help reduce the stress. And then you listed four or five, six different um, uh, services that are available. I'm gonna ask you later, uh, we may do an A and B of this because I know that we're gonna run over an hour, um, but maybe we, if you could, if you could share that information or send it, to me, I can send it out by um, the emails and all the stuff that I try to do, social LinkedIn, share that information because and, or how do they reach you? How can people get in touch with you? Um, I can put that information up in just a minute. Um, sure, sure. They um, can always email me. Uh, I have a phone number that they can call and they can mail me also. Uh, but but to, to get a, a quick answer, you need to get with grassroots organization. You have community centers that should have this information. And although it may not be their expertise, they can refer you. So you should reach out to your hospital. You should reach out to your primary care physician, nutritionist, dietitian, 
If you have a health specialist, a urologist, ask them, say, hey, I need some mental health services. And they have a referral built-in service that can connect you to somebody that can provide you with the services that you need. Um, it said a closed mouth don't get fed. Speak up and say, I need help. Say that again, closed mouth don't what? A closed mouth don't get fed. Amen. You have to speak up. You have to advocate for yourself. And right. it's just as simple as say, I need mental health services. I don't want to go into the sidebar on the taboos of mental health, especially in the African-American community, how it's looked down upon, how you looking weak. But a, a mental illness is no different than the cancer. If you had cancer, everybody would feel sorry and go, oh, and there'd be a collective awe. If you say you schizophrenia, they say you look okay. Ain't nothing wrong with you. But it's a mental illness of the mind, yeah. of the soul, of the spirit. And there are people out there willing to help if you just take the time to ask. Amen. Mm. Amen. I'm going to take a few minutes before we introduce you, Dr. Alfred, to see because we got some people on. And if there's one or two of you that like to give any responses to Al before we go to Dr. Alfred, um, your phones are um, unmuted, so you can um, go ahead and ask the question if anybody wants to. Well, I just um, want to say thank you so much for that uh, information. That's it does my wife, Elder, that's Elder Jennifer Seal. Thank you. Go it does speak. enlighten us, as, especially as we're dealing with so many um, elders and people that are in that mindset, that mind frame to help get them out, exercising, eating right you know, doing different things instead of sitting in front of the TV. But that uh, the the mental health and depression is really real during this pandemic. So thank you for that information. Critical information. Thank you. Thank you so much. Anyone else want to chime in? Like to, uh, this is Reverend Summers Vines. Um, hey, Brother Vines, God bless you. <laughs> bless you, sir. Good to see you. <laughs> Good to see you. Um, I, I would like to uh, just echo the, the response. Uh, thank you so so very much for the information. Um, and uh, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, that information is what our community has. It's it's always been lacking. I mean, from for a very 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 long time, information has it's it's been kept from us, uh, from our health to how to raise our children with, you know, with, with, and, and, and be able to direct them to greater resources. And, and, and we've always been lacking as a people, you know, so uh, it's, it's very, very critical, you know, uh, that we take the information that, that's being given to us on so many different levels and ensure that the information is not kept within ourselves, but it's spread in every, in, on every given opportunity that we have. Uh, uh, because uh, information is, is is life, you know, uh, above all you're getting, getting hold another on, brother, brother, tell us, hold on for a second. Somebody's moving around and, and we can hear all the static and it's making it difficult for us. So if you're moving around and your phone's not on or your computer, mute it so that we don't get that backdrop noise. Uh, but go ahead, uh, uh, Brother Vines. No, I, I was just saying it's it's critical that we that we we take this information and we and we spread it as far and as wide as we can uh, because you know you know uh, people die for lack of knowledge you know they perish you know and and we've been uh, literally 
living out, watching people perish for, for, for a very, very, very long time. And it's, and it's evident within our uh, political system, it, it's, it's systems, communal systems, it's, it's evident uh, that we have to do a much, much, much greater job. I mean, me personally, you know, um, making it a, a quest uh, to ensure that um, uh, information that helps to promote and create change uh, in atmospheres, uh, that that is being released out of me from, what, from where it's come from, you know, uh, and, and the quality that, that comes with great information that, that literally can save your life and, and the lives of others. So uh, thank you so much for sharing that with me. And uh, I, I just want to, I definitely would like to speak with you more about it, you know, uh, personally, um, because it's important, again, that we take it immediately and do something with it, you know? And uh, so, so thank you very much. Thank you so much for sharing that. And, and one more question, if I can, just, just one other question. Uh, uh, Dr. Al, a question, just the, where is, is vitamin D3? And, I'm, and of course it's a loaded question because of what I'm working on personally uh, with a group of doctors, uh, an international group of doctors. Uh, for our communities dealing with COVID-19. Uh, but wh where, is, where is vitamin D? Does vitamin D having higher levels of vitamin D fit into that health perspective that you're speaking from? Yes, vitamin D has been found to help with COVID-19. Uh, obviously we get vitamin D from the sun uh, in places like Chicago, we don't get much sunlight. So most people in Chicago, and the doctor can elaborate on this, have vitamin D deficiencies. And he prescribed D, uh, the, the vitamin uh, D, and usually it's like 5,000 or, you know, uh, units and things like that, that we should have, we, that, that they would recommend that we take. Now, once again, mm -hmm. I talked about having a balanced diet. That's why it's good for you to get with your nutritionist, your dietitian, or your primary care doctor, and they will know how much is a sufficient amount of vitamin D you should have. And it has been found in early findings, because remember, we're just in the first year uh, of fighting this disease. The information has been being gathered by the Center for Disease Control and some other great think tanks, medically speaking, that are finding out things every day about COVID-19. So we're still learning, we're still combating. But vitamin D has been found from, from what I've seen from outstanding medical institutions we're helping to combat the uh, COVID-19 coronavirus. Amen. Well, with, thank you for that. that. Thank you. Uh, thank you so very much uh, for those questions, uh, Brother Sellers, and to everyone else, uh, your comments. We greatly appreciate uh, the input. Thank you, sweets, uh, my sweets, Jennifer Seals. Um, I'm going to switch over now to Dr. Rodney Alford. Uh, for some of you that may have missed that information, um, Dr. Alford uh, is a board-certified pediatrician. Uh, again, uh, Brother Al, before I get into that, uh, one of the things I'd like to do is if I could, I wrote down as much as I could um, to get a snapshot, but at the end, if you could give uh, four or five of those points again, the critical things that people might, or you could type it into the chat box or, or give me something that I could share. Because I think Sellers hit something very important is how do we share that information? 
what I will do for everybody that's on the line, I will send you their link, their email address, or their phone numbers. Uh, Dr. Alfred, who's coming up next, has a phone number you can call at his clinic. Um, and uh, uh, Brother Al Williams, uh, the clinical therapist, has an uh, email that you can receive. So I'll get that information to everybody because I know everybody up here, except Kimberly Battle Miller, I may not have your number. So just uh, uh, see the number in this uh, on the uh, Facebook page and I'll make sure that you have it. Or I'll put it in chat in just a minute. Uh, thank you so much, Al, again. Uh, Dr. Rodney Alfred, as I said, is a pediatrician. He's an internal medicine specialist over 35 years out of Loyola University. Um, he studied both um, uh, medical school and completed his residency in both uh, internal medicine and pediatrics uh, at Cook County Hospital. Uh, so he's coming with plenty of information. His phone number, by the way, is 815-432-5412. I'll put that in the chat and then you all could copy that. But God bless you. Dr. Alfred, you want to pick up any, uh, and then we'll have, and let me just say this, because I talked to both of our presenters, our guests, and they both shared that this could be something that we need to do maybe next week or week after. And they're both very willing to, to continue to broaden this, this opportunity to share information and knowledge to help people. And because this is just a wealth of information, I think, Sellers, you hit it on the head. And my wife did too. How do we, con and that's what this podcast is all about. As spiritual as we are, people need help. And we need to just not talk about just pray. We need to give them some steps and some hands on. Uh, I can tell you the, the intimacy with God, yes, that'll help. But I need some relief right now. Uh, so if I can't help you get an apartment, I, I can't help you. I can pray for you, but you're looking for some hands on. And what you did, Al, was you gave us some hands on. So Dr. Alfred, my wife is looking at me. I know she's going to say, you're talking too much. Come on here. Uh, <laughs> glory to God. I'm enjoying this. Thank you all so much. And Pastor, uh, where did he go? I don't see him now, but I, I think he was there. But go right ahead. Thank you. And um, I thank you, uh, Brother Williams. I mean, that was what I heard of. And I, I heard the last uh, 15 minutes of, of your talk. That was very, very helpful, very inspirational. Uh, exciting that you that you're giving this information out to people, and I I'm loving the fact that I'm, I'm getting the, uh, the tag team with you. But um, brother Seals, you didn't tell me that I was going to be following uh, this kind of power. So uh, now I feel bad that I asked. You know, <laughs> how do I follow that? I don't know how how do I follow that. <laughs> that was amazing. Uh, I appreciate that information. What I was hoping you, you, you know, that's what you get for messing with me last week. You know, and you challenged yeah, you me. You got, got me. Yeah, you got me. Okay. One to one. What I was holding up earlier was actually my, my own prescription for vitamin D. So uh, this is the only medicine that I actually take. I don't take anything else. Um, but but not just because of COVID, but also just the fact that we will find that many African-Americans are deficient in vitamin D anyway. And you know, some would say that that's the reason why we have uh, so much uh, disease is because we don't have the protection against it. And vitamin D has been found to be protective against the COVID vaccine. Uh, I take mine once a week because I'm not a pill taker. I'm not a big pill prescriber. Uh, that's just you know not something I do. I believe in many natural therapies, but uh, as you can see, I'm an internal medicine specialist, 
So I take care of adults with all kinds of adult medical problems, as well as having um, a board certification in pediatrics. So I do take care of uh, people from the time they're born to the time they die. Uh, so, you know, don't let the pediatric thing scare you. It's just another specialty uh, that I have in addition to taking care of adult patients. Uh, as mentioned, I've been practicing for quite a long time, um, almost 40 years. I'm you know, real excited to know that. I'm coming into my 40th year this year, actually, about uh, practicing medicine. So I've learned a few things uh, as I've practiced on thousands of people. So <laughs> the practice of medicine is just that. So I want to get right in since I was only given 20 minutes uh, to give this. What I decided to do was do kind of a, a FAQ or uh, frequently asked questions about uh, COVID um, vaccine and, uh, and also about the disease because uh, I think enough information has been given out. People have a lot of information, but there's also a lot of misinformation out there. Mm -hmm. And so I want to try to clear up some of the misinformation. I get a lot of questions from my patients as to you know what you know what constitutes the disease and what you know what uh, why should I take the vaccine and why should I just wait? Um, first of all, and this is how I start many of my uh, talks on the vaccine. Um, first of all, I'd like to see a show of hands of those that have already received uh, the vaccine. Anybody? Okay, so of, of this group, I see two hands up. Uh, those that that have their um, their videos off, you can definitely yeah, put a thumbs up or, you know, that would, um, you know, just uh, click on the thumbs up. I'd like to see a feel for those that have um, received. I think I saw three total. Uh, now that's uh, it's maybe about four or five because uh, my auntie, she's on, but I don't know if she's hearing this, but. Um, um, okay, I see another hand Chisholm, up. Auntie Rita Posey, that's my auntie. She's had it. Kimberly put a thumbs up. Um, my wife put a thumbs up, Pastor Juice. So it's about six out of. Okay, it looks like about six. Okay, so about half of who's on. And you convinced me to go do it. So my, between you and my wife, you all got me. Um, my job is not to convince. My job is to educate. Well, your education brought it home. <laughs> so, so what you know, and what I you know, what I really want to do is kind of give a little bit of education, and hopefully, I'll share something that. Uh, that uh, some of you all didn't know, um, and, uh, and and if and if anyone uh, would like to, if you can just hold questions until I've um, gone on and, and talk and given some of these frequently asked questions. Uh, so if everyone can mute, uh, that way we can have the clearest call possible, and that includes you, uh, Elder Seals, because you like to talk. Just saying. No, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make sure. We've got my wife and everybody smiling. You look at them. Yeah. yeah well, they know. all know. They all know. <laughs> so they know anything about you. They know that much. So <laughs> appreciate it. So um, what I wanted to start out with is that since I know that um, the great majority of folks on this call are African-American, if not everyone, um, you know, I would, I would like to say that first and foremost, 23% of the people that have died of, of African American of the people that have died from the disease are African American. 23%. We only make up 13% of the population, but yet and still 23% of the deaths are coming from our population. Uh, so we must we must understand that. Um, causes the same kind of vascular disease. COVID-19 causes the same kind of a disease that uh, that 
person that suffers with coronary artery disease or, you know, or, you know, heart attacks, um, you know, same kind of disease. It looks that way. It's an inflammatory type of disease and it causes uh, diffuse inflammation all over. And one of the pl places that it causes that is in the heart. And that's uh, one of the ways that people die as well as, uh, you know, real bad inflammation in the lung as well. So that's mostly the way that people die. Uh, about one, one out of a thousand folks that get um, COVID uh, die. Okay, so it sounds like that's not a whole lot of people, but when you're talking in terms of millions of people, right now we know that uh, about 500,000 people have died uh, from in the United States alone. Just half a million people have died, but we have approximately 36 million people that we have recorded that have had the disease. So out of 36 million people, 500,000 have died. Now, some have asked me, so how many people have died from getting this vaccine? Well, there's not been one proven case that the vaccine has caused death. Now, there have been a number of cases, about 130 uh, in the United States, actually 130 in the world, that have been reported to have had, had a death within two weeks of getting the vaccine. Well, a lot of those folks are elderly people, which many of them probably would have died from other causes. And it can't be proven yet that they actually died because of the vaccine. So it has not been linked for sure to any one death, but say 130 people, and maybe they didn't count right. Maybe there's 200 people. Let's even multiply that times two and say 400 people. Let's add another 100 maybe 500 people. So if 500 people in this mindset have died from getting the vaccine, we've already given out the vaccine to over 50 million people. So out of 50 million people, you might have, you don't have, but even if you had 500 people that died out of the 50 million vaccinations given, or not even vaccination, that's the number of people that are totally vaccinated now, 50 million. So 500 out of 50 million beats 500,000 out of 36 million all day long. So if you say, well, I'm gonna wait and I'll, I'll get the uh, vaccine later and see what happens to other folks with this vaccine. Well, you could wait because what's gonna happen is by September or so, you will either have gotten the vaccine or you will have gotten the, the virus or you will have gotten the virus and then later on the vaccine. Those are the choices. That's what's gonna to happen to the great majority of the population of the United States. You will have either got the vaccine, got the disease or got the disease and then got the vaccine afterward. Um, there are gonna be very few people that don't fall into that category. That will be the majority population of people. So we are trying to get to that uh, 80 or so percent of people that are immune. Okay, that's that's what that's our goal, to get to about 80% of people in the United States at least that are immune. We'd like that worldwide. Um, we're not sure how well we'll get to that, but our goal in the United States is to do that so that we at least have 80% or more of people already immune, and that is either by vaccination or by disease and then vaccination. Uh, so that's the goal. Uh, so people would ask, well, why would I, 
why would I get this vaccine? This thing was rushed through too fast. That this operation warp speed, I just don't trust that. Well, we have to understand, first of all, that this technology has been around uh, for well over 10 years. Actually, uh, a black woman uh, was the one that actually you know, pioneered getting this coronavirus vaccine uh, made. Uh, so if we're worried about one of our own uh, creating this thing, then we have a problem with ourselves. And we do, over the years, have found that we do have problems with ourselves. Uh, but uh, let it be known that there, that there was a young Black woman, 35 years old, that helped to create uh, the first uh, coronavirus vaccine. Uh, so uh, you know, just understand that and also understand that this Operation Warp Speed, all it did, and this is the only credit that I'll give to our previous president, uh, he actually increased uh, how fast this can get through the whole uh, system of uh, approval, the bureaucracy. And that's what he did. He took away some of the bureaucracy, a lot of the bureaucracy that it normally takes to get drugs approved. Had nothing to do with uh, scientists, you know, the scientific method. Uh, the scientific method was followed to the T uh, for this. And so it was created in the time that normally these things would be created. It was approved a lot faster than these things are usually approved because they normally have to go through so many uh, things to get approved. So he took that out. I would give him that credit. From that, the credit ends, I'm sorry. Um, he's, he slowed the distribution of this vaccine. He slowed, uh, he, you know, just the, you know, he just caused people to have such negative feelings about the vaccine. So I have, I have issue with that. So some people would say, well, I'm not too crazy about this vaccine because this guy's side effects. Yes, it does. Uh, those side effects are actually sometimes expected events. Uh, some of the side effects from the vaccine, and I'll list them out for you. I uh, wrote them down so that I can make sure I hit them all. Uh, from the Moderna uh, vaccine, about nine and a half percent people get fatigue. About eight and a half percent get muscle aches. Five and a half percent get joint pain. Four and a half percent get headaches. Four percent get pain in the injection site. 2% get redness at the injection site. And there's been four cases total that have gotten Bell's palsy, okay? Bell's palsy is usually self-limited. That means it's a paralysis, usually on one side of the face, and it goes away usually spontaneously without doing anything. Uh, so you might've seen things on the internet showing that uh, a young lady uh, found that she, she got uh, Bell's palsy after getting the shot, and she made a big stink of it on the internet and said that, you know, I won't ever get uh, this, this, I won't, definitely won't get the second shot. Uh, and, I, you know, I'm just so upset that I got this. Uh, well, if you look at her probably now, she probably won't do another video because by now that Bill's palsy has resolved itself. Uh, so, you know, that's, you know, that's the case. It is, it may happen, but in four cases total, that is four cases out of 50, I'm sorry, 75 million. That's how many shots have been given in the US. So the Pfizer vaccine, um, actually 3.5% develop fatigue, about 2% get muscle aches, 2% uh, get headaches, 1.5% um, get pain in the injection site, and 1% gets chills. <clears throat> the other percentages of things that happen are less than 1%. And so I didn't mention all of those things because uh, there are a lot of possible symptoms that you can get from this vaccine. 
And so those symptoms really are nothing more than the body's recognizing that it's been given a foreign, a foreign object into it. And so that's exactly what you want. You want your body to respond. You want your body to know that there's something foreign that is being injected into your body. And so now your body will develop the memory to know that if something just like this happens to me again, I'm gonna be ready. So the first vaccine is for recognition so that your body recognizes it. And then the second uh, vaccine, three to four weeks later, depending on which one you get, the second one is basically for amplification of that response. So the first shot tells you, I'm recognizing you. The second time is to amplify that response so that now if you get exposed to the coronavirus itself, then your body recognizes it immediately and it mounts a very vigorous um, immune response against it. So you're not getting the, the, the virus itself. They, they're not giving you the virus. They're not even giving you a dead virus. They're giving you a protein that the body recognizes is one of the proteins that, that is on the, on the outside of that virus. It's the, it's the area, it's a, the, the part of the vaccine that attaches to our bodies. And so it's just that little, it's like the foot or the hand that grabs hold to the body. Think of it that way. And what it does is it makes an antibody to that, that hand. So the hand can't grab your body. Think of it that way. Um, so that's basically all it is. Uh, so because we've had uh, some allergic reactions, some severe allergic reactions to it, um, uh, what we call anaphylaxis, We've had a number of cases of that, about 21 cases of severe anaphylaxis. Again, out of 50 million shots, that's not even 0.001% uh, of people that have a severe allergic rea reaction to this. So we're not talking about a person that's gonna have an, an allergy to this in many cases. But if you happen to have a history of severe allergies, then they will make sure that they watch you for 30 minutes. 99% of the allergic reactions happen within 15 minutes of the injection. So you will wait for 15 minutes and everybody that got the shot will understand that they had to sit for 15 minutes uh, to, to make sure that they didn't have a reaction to it. And they have people around, uh, nurses and, and the like that are around that if you develop an allergic reaction, you can be treated immediately for that, uh, for that problem. So uh, that's, you know, that's the issue when it comes to allergy. So we want to make sure that people don't have a fear because of allergy. So some of the other frequently asked questions, I broke them down. Um, that now we have these variants that all of us are hearing about. We're hearing that uh, there's all these different things from South Africa, from, you know, from, uh, from Great Britain, all of these different variants. Um, you know, and we're concerned about that, but no, nothing to fear. If you've got your vaccine, then your body will mount an immune response to those variants. So you don't have to worry. If you got your vaccine, you don't have to worry about the talk of the variants. The variants are gonna be more quickly spread than this original one that came out. So we don't want to have that one in our midst. So if we get vaccinated, then we don't have to worry about that new strain that's out, any of those new strains, because we're protected against them all. 
So we won't have you know, the issues with that. Uh, one of the questions that uh, is asked frequently is, once I've got the vaccine, does that mean can I ever get uh, coronavirus? Well, first and foremost, we don't know that. We don't know how often you may have to get the vaccine. We do believe at this point that you will have antibodies for at least a year. The only reason we know that is because we have 77,000 people that uh, were in the study, the original study, that show that they still have antibodies even a year after, and it's almost a year for them, uh, even a year, almost a year after their, uh, their initial injections. So we know that the antibody is around in the body for a long period of time. Um, whereas with the disease, if you get the disease, then uh, we're not sure how long that immunity lasts, but it is definitely shorter on average than the vaccine. So getting the disease does not give you a good enough immunity and surely not a longer lasting enough immunity to say, well, I got the disease, so I don't need to get the vaccine. What my recommendation is, the CDC's recommendation actually is for three months or 90 days after you've had the disease to go on and get, a, you know, get your shot. My recommendation to my patients, and this is personal, is I would say wait more than 90 days. I would say wait six months. If you've already got the disease, they've, they've detected uh, antibodies in people that have had the disease well five months after they've gotten the, uh, the disease itself. So we know that some, some immunity is there, uh, but that immunity definitely wanes. If you give the vaccine too early in a person's illness, where, where they've just had it, or if they just obtained it, then you got more of a chance of a significant reaction to it. And that's, you know, that would scare people away. So we don't encourage folks to, you know, knowingly have the disease and go on and get the vaccine. We don't encourage that. We also don't encourage people that just got the disease or people that think they're having symptoms. We don't encourage them also to get the vaccine, not at that time, they should wait. And so there have been people that, um, matter of fact, I know one very personally, my, the, only, the surgeon that works with me, he ended up getting, um, getting the vaccine the next day, um, he was found to be positive for coronavirus. Now we know that the vaccine didn't give it to him because he didn't have any, he had minimal symptoms before, before the vaccine, but he pushed it off, didn't really think much of it, and then got the vaccine because he really wanted to get the vaccine and he already was scheduled for, for getting the vaccine. So he decided to get it and had a pretty significant reaction from it. Um, didn't cause him hospitalization or anything like that, um, but he did, he did end up uh, getting a significant reaction from it. He's, he's back to work now and has been doing fine since. Um, the concern that people have too is that you might get the disease from someone else. I see a lot of people are popping on, that's good. Um, now the vaccine itself, getting the vaccine won't cause you to transmit the disease to anyone else, obviously because you haven't received the disease. You only have a vaccine that's protecting you from it. So we wanna make sure that you understand that. Another question that comes up is, Everyone out. <laughs> 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 
The unfortunate thing is that there are people that like to... Hola, cabros del Facebook. Hoy me tiene un peo. So in, in, uh, in the future, I would encourage you to just have, just go to Zoom as opposed to uh, yeah, opening up the Facebook. That opens it up to a lot of... Uh, yeah, I shouldn't have opened it up. Um, it was okay. Uh, it's okay. We, we just keep learning. We just yep. keep learning. Yep, it's okay. Whenever that comes up, you know, you can just, when you see that something else is coming up, because it's open, um, if we have yeah. a password next time, um, and you want to make sure you yeah. share it with only folks that you want to share the information with. So anyway. Um, Sorry about that, uh, everybody. 
Well, that's technology, unfortunately. Some of the, some of the, you can see some of the stuff that they're writing. So we know that that's part of, uh, you know, what we, what you go through. So um, we'll, we'll be wiser next time. No problem. Uh, go uh, ahead. If this they pop up again, just close them out. Um, so another question is, how long will it take for the COVID-19 vaccine to take effect? Well, actually, the vaccine takes uh, the first shot gives you about 50% protection um, about seven to 10 days after you've got that first shot. And then after you get the second shot, uh, usually somewhere between uh, seven and 14 days, you will have total immunity of 95% uh, immunity. So you have still a chance of getting the disease, um, but you will have less of a chance. So far, no one has gotten, uh, no one has uh, died that we know of that has gotten the vaccine from the vaccine for one, and also no one has died particularly from COVID uh, once they've received the vaccine. So we know that it's protective from severe disease. Uh, you still may get a mild illness from COVID, uh, but the chances are very low. So that's an important thing to know. Uh, another question that people have is, uh, can my child, my 14-year-old my child uh, get this? because uh, I don't want them to get it from school. Well, you have to understand that the studies were done in people over 16. Uh, so uh, you wouldn't want to give a vaccine to someone that hasn't been tested. And no one wants to hand over their eight-year-old, nine-year-old to be tested um, you know, on a new vaccine. So we haven't done those studies yet. Those studies will be done. As a matter of fact, I just read today that the United Kingdom is actually planning to start uh, doing um, actually immunizing younger people and then having them exposed to the virus directly. Um, so you look around, they're, they're doing some interesting studies. That study will never be done in the United States, but the United Kingdom is doing those kinds of studies. Now we're planning to do uh, those kinds of studies and the World Health Organization uh, has to approve that uh, and they may or may not, we'll see what happens with that. But uh, I just don't think that we should expose people directly to the virus to find out whether immunity uh, is, is there or not. I think we, we, we have enough numbers of people that have been exposed to know that the, the vaccine is working. Uh, but that's one of the studies that may be going on. Uh, some folks have, have heard about uh, this particular experiment that was done on African-American men. Um, uh, that experiment was done in 1932, along with other types of experiments like that. But there were 600 men uh, that actually were subjected to, uh, well, they already had syphilis. So that's important to note. They were not given syphilis, but they actually had syphilis. And what they decided to do was observe these men over uh, a period of time. That period of time ended up being 40 years, 40 years. These men were observed, um, all black men, they were paid a little tiny stipend and given a meal. And that was what they were given in order to participate in the study. The study said that all they would do is observe what the disease will do to them. Now penicillin was created uh, and found that it could kill syphilis, it can kill the infection. Even after we knew that, the, that syphilis could you know, cure this thing, they decided to continue to watch these men, again, 600 African-American men. And as 
you know, and as they watched them, all kinds of diseases came about. We learned so much about uh, this disease process, but unfortunately, because of our own black men uh, that were subjected to this, uh, we did learn a lot, but that's, that's not the way studies are done. There was no informed consent given to any of those people. And so they were exposed to it or allowed to have a disease and go through its entire course of the disease without being treated. 1972, they actually stopped that study and allowed those people to be treated. Uh, but of course, many of them had already died uh, from the disease or had been completely uh, maimed by the disease as well. So you don't wanna be a part of that kind of experiment. And unfortunately, by not getting the vaccine, you become part of that, of, of that experiment. Not getting the vaccine will allow you to have, get a disease and not get the, not get the protection uh, of the vaccine from it. So I encourage you again, to get the vaccine as opposed to getting the disease. Look like, unfortunately. <laughs> you might have to- Lines, yeah. put your phone back on mute. Okay, great. So who pays for the vaccine? Uh, no one has to pay for the vaccine. It's paid for by our government, American government, US Department of Health and Human Services actually absorbs all the cost of the vaccine. So you will not have to pay for the vaccine or uh, the administration of the vaccine. Uh, how much cooperation have there been with other countries is one of the other questions to develop the vaccine. Well, uh, within 10 days after the first reported case in Wuhan, China in January of uh, last year, the viral sequence of this, of this particular virus was formed. And that was only because of global cooperation. There was cooperation throughout all the world in order to allow the research to be fast-tracked. And that's why we were able to come up with things so quickly because we used the whole world's knowledge in order to get that to happen. Um, so some people would wanna ask, what are the ingredients of this, uh, of this, this uh, COVID-19 vaccine? Well, you don't know the ingredients of the aspirin that you're taking. You don't know the <laughs> ingredients of your Tylenol that you're taking. You know, but you wanna know the ingredients of, of a vaccine. Well, let me tell you what the ingredients are. It's messenger RNA lipids, potassium chloride, monobasic potassium phosphate, sodium chloride, dibasic sodium phosphate, dihydrate, sucrose, and polyethylene glycol. If that makes you feel better now that you know the, the ingredients, now you can go and get your vaccine. You know the so, uh, and it just, it, it baffles the mind to me that people will take five or six different medications. They have no idea what's in those medications, but yet and still they're taking them. But yet when it comes to the vaccine, they want to know what are the ingredients. It's, it's just surprises me. But again, that's because we have fear because we're black. We know that experimentation has happened with us. We know that there's been some problems in the past. Uh, this is not one of those issues. Um, again, created by a black woman, uh, hopefully given to, to black people, hopefully we'll get it before they start mandating that you get it. Because that may happen that at some point uh, you may be mandated to yep. get the vaccine in order to travel. Right mm -hmm. now, if you're going outside of this country, you have mm -hmm. to show that you're negative for coronavirus. So what they'll probably have now is you'll have to 
either be negative of coronavirus and show proof of it within three days of travel and or show proof that you got the vaccine to travel. So it makes sense to go on and get the vaccine. Again, um, I wanted to make a couple of other points and then I'll jump off because my, my 20 minutes have, have expired. Um, what is the component that actually causes the allergic reaction? Well, that component is probably polyethylene glycol, which is the same kind of substance that we find in, um, you know, simple, simple things that we use and take all the time. Uh, even things, you know, like some of our laxative products uh, actually have this polyethylene glycol in it. So, you know, if you have a particular allergy to it, very few people do, uh, you could possibly have a reaction to that vaccine. Um, what, are, what are some of the long-term side effects of this uh, COVID-19? Well, first and foremost, the vaccine has no uh, documented uh, prolonged side effect, zero. But some of the long-term side effects of COVID-19 are fatigue, shortness of breath, cough, joint pain, chest pain, muscle pains, headaches, loss of smell, loss of taste, rashes, memory and concentration problems sleep problems, this foggy brain syndrome, hair loss, depression, palpitations, dizziness. A lot of these called, call this the long hauler syndrome, uh, even coronary artery disease and chronic restrictive lung disease. These are all complications that can happen long-term from the disease itself. So would you prefer to get the disease that has these long, long hauler syndrome and all these other uh, possibilities of disease long after you've had the disease or the vaccine that has no reported problems after getting the, the vaccine. So again, uh, to respect the time and not to go uh, too far into, um, uh, into things, we surely can have this discussion again, uh, but I wanted to cover some of the things. And, and if you wanna give a couple minutes to, uh, to allow people to ask some other questions that might not have been answered, I surely would be uh, able to do that. Um, again, I want to be respective of the time, and I know people, uh, this is getting late in the evening, and I don't want to hold people too long. But uh, I, I do want to uh, thank you, uh, Elder Seals, for allowing uh, me to have this opportunity. I look forward to any opportunity to educate my people. Uh, that's what I got into medicine for. Uh, I knew this was my calling way back when I was a sophomore in high school. Um, so, you know, this is what I do. This is what I love to do. Uh, whenever I can have the opportunity to share uh, the information that I've learned over the years, uh, I want to have that opportunity to do that. So uh, you're welcome to invite me to another event if I can spare the time um, and you can spare the people. I'm, I'm interested in getting that information. Amen. Dr. Alfred, um, yes. I've been vaccinated, so I should still wear a mask. Yes, that's a good question. Uh, you should definitely wear a mask because two things can happen. One is just because you've been immunized does not mean you're 100% certain that you will not get the disease. The vaccines are 95% uh, effective. 95% still leaves 5%, which means that one out of 20, you got a one out of 20 chance of getting the disease. But so far you have a zero chance of dying from the disease. Zero, so far, zero chance. 
So yes, you should wear uh, the mask for that reason. And also just because you've been vaccinated, you can still be exposed to someone. Some, say someone coughs in your face and you breathe in that, uh, those particles into your nose. Those particles are gonna live for a little bit. So if you come home and kiss your husband, you can actually give that disease to him because he's not been vaccinated. And it would be no, you know, no fault of, of yours or his. It's just the fact that you didn't wear a mask. So masks are still going to be important uh, until we have at least 80% of people vaccinated or have had the disease. So the disease isn't prevalent, but vaccinated people are prevalent. Uh, yes, we will need to wear masks. And I would tend to bet that we'll be wearing masks well into September, maybe even maybe even as long as December. I'm hoping not December because I have a big, uh, a big uh, plan for my children. I'm taking them out to, <laughs> to see Disney World. So these are my adult children. So, so I want to, I want to make sure I can travel. So please, if, if you don't think about yourself, think about others. Think about me. Good question. Any questions? Uh, anyone want to raise any questions or? Share some comments. I have a question. I have a question. Um, yes. You had said earlier that there's no charge for the vaccines, but yet and still, when I went to get my vaccine, they asked for my insurance card. Why is that? True. That's true. They 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 asked for the insurance card, and um, I think they charged the insurance. So I think there is a cost. Yeah, that's what I'm. Yeah, he said it was no cost, and and I've been hearing about the government buying you know millions of dollars worth of that vaccines and all that, but I'm, you know, there should not be a cost. Check with your insurance and make sure that there has not been a bill sent to your insurance. They're getting information. They're gaining information of what they're doing. They're, and that's, that's uh, information that they'll be able to share later uh, in, in terms of, you know, how many people uh, that have insurance got the disease, and, you know, got the uh, vaccine and things like oh, that. Okay. They're collecting. So it's yes, it's data collection. Uh, and so, you know, you might want to call your insurance company just to be safe, you know, make sure that, you know, because they have that information, you want to make sure that, um, that, yeah, if you presented no insurance information, I guarantee you, they will not turn you away from getting the vaccine. So no, it should not so, Doctor, be. There's, a, there's the Pfizer, there's the Moderna, but then the Johnson and Johnson is coming online. Also, AstraZeneca, yeah, there are other vaccines that are coming. I chose not to really talk about those yet because they have not been approved in the U.S. yet. Right. Uh, and and you know, they are, there are different types of vaccines uh, other than just the messenger RNA types of vaccines. I didn't get into it because it takes a little more explanation. Um, sure. So has the vaccination been around for a while? Because my understanding is that, you know, people say, well, it was just developed and just tested, but is this something that has been gone going on for a while. Is that true? Yeah. Or is yeah, the technology, yeah, the technology for creating these vaccines has been around for about 10 years, a little bit more. So the technology has been around. So it didn't take long to develop this vaccine. And it's so quick. And that's the thing that scares people. It's so quick because they're thinking, well, how did they come up with this thing so quick? Well, the technology was around. We just didn't have the, vaccine, the, the virus that we needed to produce it for. Now we have the virus, so it didn't take that long to, all you have to do is find the sequence, uh, the DNA sequence of this, of this vaccine, I mean, I'm sorry, of the virus, and then create the vaccine based on that sequence. And you decide 
what part of the vac, what part of the virus you want to make it, you know, antibodies to. And of course, it makes sense to make it to the thing that's going to attach to the body. So you just make the protein that's, you know, make the, the you know, antibodies to this protein that's going to attach to your body. And so you created the vaccine. It's really, the technology is there already. It's, it's fairly simple for them to come up with, you know, how to come, you know, these days, I mean, the way technology is, I mean, it's not a big deal. The month's vaccine took about seven years to perfect. This, you know, and that was way back in the 60s. Well, we didn't have the technology we have now. So I would hope that it wouldn't take as long as what happened in the 60s. Um, you know, that would, that would mean there's a problem with our technology. Any, any other questions? Because we're coming on that time. We need to close out. We've been on for over an hour. Um, well, yes, I'd like to know where did you get your vaccine? Because I, I'm in the 1B class, but uh, each time I try to go out to get a, a, an appointment, everything is booked. Um, my husband got his directly from his, his school, from his employer, but I wasn't uh, able to get it. So I'm just, you know, is it in um, my primary in? physician's what, what, office yeah, okay. yet? What, what county are you in? Cook. Okay. In Cook County, um, my suggestion would be where, where in the city do you live? Or do you live in the city? I'm in Country Club Hills. I'm in the okay. South Suburbs. Okay. In the South Suburbs, um, the vaccine is, it does, has not reached the, the numbers that it should have. So a lot of people are in these long lines. Um, a good friend of mine who is um, the, uh, the CEO of Loretto Hospital, very good friend of mine, I've known him for many years. He actually opened up Loretto Hospital so that anybody can come, you know, can come and get the vaccine. So you might want to call Loretto Hospital on the west side, on the west side if, you, yeah. if you're anxious to get the disease, I mean, get the vaccine, um, mm -hmm. call Loretto Hospital and ask. I think you have to go on their website and you can you know, schedule an appointment on the okay. website. Actually, the hospital was the first hospital in Illinois uh, to get vaccine. And so he's been very strategic at, at making this thing happen. So um, he's a wonderful guy, kind of CEO of Loretto Hospital. Hey, also, Loretta, Loretta Hospital also recently, in the last, it was I think two weeks ago, uh, was actually here uh, in Oak Forest, uh, not Oak Forest, uh, one of the mm -hmm. South Suburbs where uh, Valley Kingdom Ministries International is located. Uh, and they had a Saturday where they were there on site and they vaccinated 200 people. And it was Loretta Hospital that set it up because Apostle H. Daniel Wilson is a fraternity brother of the CEO of Loretta Hospital. You, exactly. you probably, oh, I see you shaking your head. Okay. You know about right. that connection. Okay. Exactly. Okay. And, and let me just shout out um, New Faith Baptist Church. Had, there's a contact person. Uh, I'll share his name with you. Um, he is, his he has uh, a contact person that was able to help people that I pray with. And uh, Pastor Julius got his shot. Uh, what was that at, Pastor? Um, that it was, uh, I, I got mine at Robbins, Robbins Health Center uh, on and, 135th in uh, Kedzie. Um, and it was from one of the brothers that we prayed with. His wife works there at that center. 
And so uh, he was able to help me get in. And I did not, I'm not a 1B. I'm more like a 1C uh, qualified, but I was able to get in. And so what I'll do is I'll share his uh, information. Um, I'm just careful not to put names out. Yeah. Um, and I'll send it to you. Uh, also, um, at our at, at Victory Apostolic Church, um, you know the lady that coordinates it. Well, yeah, I right. But what I'm saying is, is I had not been able to actually get the appointment you, through IDPH. Um, no, not through uh, Oak Health, Oak Street Health, or mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right. Um, Western. because at, at the, at the time that, that, the, when they issued those appointments, I was not yet, I had not received the number mm. to get the vaccine, my one B classification number. Now, whether or not I was able to overstep that, I didn't know, but I was recently assigned a number that I guess I'm associated with to get the vaccine. It's a one it's a one B and then there's a number, there's a code. Yeah, and I haven't re re heard back from my clinic uh, that where I go and I'm on their list, but I haven't heard back. So what I'll do is I'll uh, put you in touch with the person that that has helped others uh, get back, get their vaccine uh, as Pastor Jewish just mentioned, I'll send that to you. And if anybody else uh, needs it, just let me know. Um, so as you know who I'm talking about, I Thank think. Thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but we can do that. I, I don't want to belabor the time because I am so, so grateful. This has been powerful. And I know that... Um, so follow up. We should do a follow up on this. Yeah. I, I thank you, Pastor. I, that's what I was getting ready to say. I know both of them I had talked to earlier about doing a follow up maybe next week if your schedules permit. Um, Al and, and Dr. Uh, Alfred, how do you all, can we talk about that now or should we uh, wait oh. to check your schedules? Uh, but if we could do it next, next Thursday, be consistent. Uh, and this time, what we would do is be more careful uh, with, with giving the public link. We won't do that anymore. That was part of my hesitancy. Um, and so what we'll do is it has to be password sensitive. Uh, so we'll put that in it. And then, and I have to be wise too, because when I saw those people pop up, I didn't see names, actual names. It was like funny little names or codes or something. And then they just, when I hit two or three of them, they just popped up everywhere. So it's like trolls. Uh, but that's the learning process. Again, I thank God for everybody that's been on. Well, I'm not going to try I, and can add. I add. Can I add something real quick? Um, yes. I, I know my wife will be um, posting that she'll have me doing the same kind of thing on um, on next Tuesday. And if you want that information, um, I know I'll be doing it then um, because that's my wife. Right, right, right. <laughs> I'm Amen. absolutely certain I'll be doing that. Happy wife, happy life. Absolutely. <laughs> 37 <laughs> years. I want to keep it going. We ain't gonna mess with that. Amen. We all, we all understand the power of the wife. <laughs> so what I can do is um is make sure I share that with you. Um uh, that that for sure is going on Tuesday, Tuesday evening at seven o'clock. Um yeah. you know, so if you if you're available, then we can definitely uh get that information to you. Is is anybody interested in that? 
in that time period with that work is one. Um, yeah, I, uh, Jack Ghoston is saying yes. I saw uh, that. Well, it comes uh, by uh, prayer and Bible study on that day, uh, Tuesday okay. 7. We have yeah. that starts at 645. So it's a conflict for me. Okay. Um, but I'm uh, very interested in having you on next Thursday. We could do another Dovetail podcast uh, to go a little deeper here. It would be great. That's, I think it's good information for, you know, if we get other uh, church members and different communities to actually come yeah. on to actually hear what you're saying, because the information is really vital for yeah, the really community. Is. So if we can get more people to come uh, on this platform so they can hear what you're saying, they can hear those concerns and understand that even as Black African-Americans, we need to get those um, vaccinations. It's scary, right. but we need to do what right. we need to do. Right. Amen. Yeah, I, I, I particularly, I, I particularly uh, enjoyed the fact that you did have uh, our brother Al Williams on here uh, as well. Uh, I really, really think uh, these are two two areas of, of African Americans that are taboo. We don't talk about going to a counselor. We don't mm -hmm. like to talk about getting shot vaccines. Sure. We don't talk about. We don't even talk about preventive care. Uh, right. Sure. You know, or eating healthy. So these right. are taboo things that, that we need to talk about more. So right. you know, I, I would love to do it. Uh, I'm, I'm all in. Uh, and, and, and Brother Al Williams, well, let me, I, let me, I'll let you go first again. Al, are you available next Wednesday or uh, Thursday? I can't hear you. Take off mute. He's shaking his head, yes. Yeah, OK. <laughs> Yes, I, I am. I'm very much available. Okay, okay. great. Awesome. Um, the, the reason I ask this is because, I, like my wife said, and Pastor Julia said, and others are saying, Jack, um, and Sellers, I saw you nodding your head. Um, I'll send you the link, uh, Brother Sellers, and you, you make sure that you identify people that you trust uh, to come on so that we, we won't put it out public. Uh, Pastor Julius, you, you'll get it. Jack, I'll send it to you. My sweets, you already know. Stanley, I'll send it to you. Um, and others, um, someone from your church, Kimberly um, Battles, was on. Um, uh, hold I, on think drink. Was, I think it was, a, uh, it was a, one of mine's people, but I don't think it was a lady. I think it was a guy. No, it was uh, Dr. Kimberly Miller. She's part yeah. of our medical group. That, mm -hmm. oh. Yeah, I sent, she sent me her email. Mm -hmm. But I'll make sure that I follow up uh, with you to Thank make you. sure that you have the link for next week. Thank um, you. And I want to say this because this is something that troubles my heart uh, about the body of Christ. And, and Brother Alfred, we talked about this, Doctor. And, and now I mentioned to you, and Jewish, you already know where my heart is on this, and my wife knows, and, and I'm going to be brief. Uh, we have to be able to um, share information. Um, it, it beyond the walls of the church and this ministry that we have this podcast is all about getting information out uh, to anybody that's available that really wants it and I think one of the someone said if you have ears to hear they, they will hear um, as Julia said to me if you put it out there those who want to hear it they'll come and I think if we continue doing what we're doing it'll just come and you challenged me with that uh, Dr. Ron the Alpha. And, and we did that, and it showed we had 15 people 
Um, and then we got flooded with the craziness, but the effectiveness of what you and Al have done tonight. Uh, I mean, I wrote as much as I could, and then you got so technical, I couldn't even keep up writing those words. So, <laughs> but I thank God, I'm just being transparent. I'm not medical at all, but I just want people to know who are listening still live on, on Facebook. Um, we're not going to put the link out there, but we will be live next week. Uh, but we will not put the uh, Zoom link out there. We'll keep it within our circles so that we can safeguard ourselves. I think that came up when you said something about Donald Trump. Uh, and I hope they don't take this broadcast down. But um, the things that you talked about, Al, are so, so riveting and so important that people hear you and Dr. Alfred. I thank you for wanting to come back and be with us. I'm going to ask my wife to close us in prayer. Um, Brother Stanley, thank you for staying on. Um, Brother Sellers, from coming back in. Jack, thank you for texting me and writing. If you saw me with my head down, people were texting me. That was Ronald Drink trying to get back in, but he heard me talking, and he so he knows. But it, it, I think this has had a great impact. And so I'm going to ask my I thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. Uh, thank you for listening to my concerns, um, Brother Al and Dr. Alfred uh, I call him also a minister because he teaches Sunday school, y'all. He, he really teaches Sunday school. Uh, so I thank God. And and Al is a uh, is I think still an armor bearer or has been in, in very involved with ministry. So God bless you all. Thank you, Sweets. Would you close us in a quick prayer? Sure, Father God. We thank you for today. We thank you for the knowledge that's been Lord bestowed upon us. We take this seed, God, that's planted on the inside and help us, God, to minister to others. Help us to get the word out, God, for your glory. In Jesus' name, I thank you for Al and I thank you for Dr. Al for coming on and sharing these enlightenments. God, go with them and bless them as they go and do your work. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you all so very much. All right. Bless you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Good night. Good night. Good night, all.